these moments like this are really the, the fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to, to begin to move and touch in our hearts and also for the prophetic to move freely. And I really just want to encourage people here today that certain ones of you need to realize the power in sacrifice. It doesn't mean that, that, uh, that you have to um, go around finding lambs to, to sacrifice on an altar or anything like that. The, the sacrifice God wants you to discover, and maybe it's going to be an, a, a, a process of time, is the sacrifice of faithfulness. It's faithfulness to the Lord. It's going to start in small little ways, but I want to tell you, if you're struggling in your walk with God, if you're trying to discover what God wants from you, then the, the first and most important thing you need to do is discover the power of faithfulness. Turn up every Sunday come to the house of God. If you're a young person here today, I want to encourage you, anchor yourself in the youth group, put yourself in that place of uh, faith with other young people, and uh, you'll find that God will honor the faithfulness. I, I want to honor uh, Jeff and Josie today because they are faithful servants in the house of God. It's almost like uh, you, you, you can always rely upon them. You always see them here. And I want to say that uh, they're examples of faithfulness. Graham, uh, Graham is another man who, who is an example of, of the sacrifice of faithfulness. And you just never know the impact that you're having upon people because you just kept turning up. You just kept being there. So I want to encourage you with that. And uh, Daniel, I just want to, want to share for you, Daniel, there. He's got to take his things off so he can hear me. The Holy Spirit wants to get upon you and uh, you've got to go to a whole new level of, of living, but you've got to let go of some of the, some of the uh, things of the past, shake off some of the dust and just step into all that God has for you. Take it with both hands because there should be uh, a, a wide open highway for, for you. And the, the person that's going to create the highway is your faith, your faithfulness, your desires. So you know, I just want to try and encourage you. God wants your heart and he's got to um, propel you forward. But uh, sometimes we just have to cooperate with what God wants. So be encouraged with that tonight. You can take your seats if you will. I'm going to talk just for a few minutes today and uh, then we'll uh, let the Holy Ghost move through us. And we want to really want to encourage you as I'm speaking, if God speaks to you about something, uh, particularly for someone who's here or someone who's not here, then then make it a decision that you're going to encourage someone. So when you, if it's somebody here, you can just we're going to have some time in a minute, and you can just come and um, pray with them or encourage them with the word that God's shown you. And uh, if someone's not here, then text them tonight. It's okay to have your phone with you. I, I won't know if you're taking notes or texting your friends. But text someone, if there's someone on your heart, text them straight away and say, hey, just want to encourage you that God has a plan for you. This is all about activating what church is supposed to be all about. And I think we've forgotten that because we can get so caught up in life and so caught up in the presentation of church that we forget to be the church. And uh, encouraging one another, it's great to see Jody here today. You come to a, a, a different sort of a night tonight, but uh, great to have you here. She's one of the first people we met when we first came to Fort Lincoln in uh, 1872 or somewhere it was. So 
great to be here at Awaken. Who's ready for an Awaken moment tonight? So my, my title of my message tonight is Conceal or Reveal. Conceal or Reveal. So Ephesians 5 verse 11 says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So conceal means to hide, to cover up, um, to ignore something. Uh, and what, what I'm talking about here today is, is evil. It's sin. Is, is concealing that. And the, uh, the opposite of that is to reveal it. Um, means nothing hidden, nothing concealed, uh, because there's a, there's a desire of seeking to grow uh, by dealing with sin's issues in our spiritual life. So when we begin to deal with some certain things that, that we, we might want everyone not to see, uh, when we start to deal with those things in our personal life with Jesus, then we begin to grow spiritually. Things can change for the better. But awakened moments in the Holy Spirit reveal what's concealed or what's been concealed for our breakthrough. So I want to encourage you today to, to be real with the Lord. Be real with Jesus and say, God, I've been concealing some things. No one else would know about these things in my life, but I want you to reveal these things. I want to reveal them to you. I want to bring them to, to the, the table of God and deal with them with Him. So that's what our awakened nights are all about is uh, those breakthroughs come when we allow the reveal of God to be uh, dealing with those things that we would rather conceal, but we get our breakthroughs. So just going to give you a little story. One of the, the most exciting things in my childhood, maybe you can relate to this if you're as old as me, was uh, when we could hear the music of the Mr. Whippy van. Does everyone know what the Mr. Whippy van was? And, and you know, we would... We would be you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday on a weekend just uh, minding our own business, playing in the backyard or down the street, and suddenly you'd hear this music. I wish I had some Mr. Whippy kind of music. That, that'll do. There he is. You could hear the music in the distance. And, and, and in, our, in our neighborhood, every kid from everywhere would be out on the street on their bikes, on their skateboards, on their roller skates, uh, running down the street when they heard the music of Mr. Whippy. And you'd all be saying, where is it? Where is it? I can hear Mr. Whippy. I wonder where he is. It, it's, it must be close by because you could hear this, this music coming from the Mr. Whippy van. But when Mr. Whippy came into our street, it was like going to Disneyland. It was like, this is amazing. The Mr. Whippy van's in our street. And I remember once my brother, we could hear the Mr. Whippy van. And we say, I wonder where it is, I wonder where it is. We, we've got to get Mr. Whippy to come to our street. And my brother, my older brother, he searched and found Mr. Whippy. On, he, he chased him down on his bike, rode back and said, I saw Mr. Whippy. He's going to come to our street. And all the kids in the street, they're all excited. They're, we're all waiting, waiting. And Mr. Whippy didn't come. He never came to our street. And we think, where, where is he? Where is he? When's he going to be here? But he didn't turn up. But um, on the other occasions when he did, it was like the most exciting thing that ever happened. But we had an expectation before he even got there when we could hear the sound of his truck. Everyone wanted a piece of the Mr. Whippy action. When they heard the sound, they got ready, they got excited, they told their friends, they went down the street. You'd go down, you'd go to, to the to the neighbors down the street saying, Mr. Whippy's coming. Because 
were excited. We wanted to be part of it. There's a story in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And it says, On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for Him. They had been waiting for Him with a greater desire than the kids waiting for Mr. Whippy. This sounds really weak analogy here, but I want to tell you something today. Do we need to have a desire that is greater than any other desire we have? They were waiting for Jesus. The crowds were waiting and they welcomed Him. And I tell you, when Jesus is in our churches, people will want to get there and they'll want a piece of the action because something will be stirring, something will be happening, something of the power of God. They'll want a part of that action. And that's what we're aiming for, One Heart Church. We don't want to have a church where we just come and do a religious thing, we take communion, we we sing some songs, we go home and nothing changes. We have to have a desire where we say, God, I don't want an experience like that. I want an experience where the Spirit touches my spirit, where God speaks to my heart, where I go beyond my head to my spirit and God changes me. That's That's what we're aiming for. And you know something? Jesus is attracted to people who want that. And he, and he attracts all kinds of people. I wanted to give you a story. It's amazing, though, because we, I, I kind of think to, to build a great church, you think, God, you're going to bring in all these experts. You're going to bring in all these rich people. You're going to bring in all these smart people. And we want all that. And I, I believe, and I, I remember praying many years ago. It's not just because of my prayers. It's because of God's goodness. But I remember praying, God, you know, you know maybe be a, a place where doctors come to church. Maybe be a place where there's the medical professionals are represented. And was praying for that. Now we have at least probably five doctors in the church. We have, we have pharmacists in the church. We have paramedics on the front row. We have all kinds of medical professionals in the church, nurses and others, nurses over there. And, uh, and, and, and I just think it's so totally amazing and so cool that we have a church like that. But I, I keep praying, Lord, I, I pray, God, bring architects. Lord, bring, bring other professionals into the house, engineers, who knows what else, even some police will be handy. You remember me, I'm from church. But Jesus attracts all kinds of people. Luke 8, verse 27, look at this guy. Because you might think, well, what kind of people do we want to attract? We want to attract all kinds of people. But then look at this. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked. Don't come to church like that. Anyway, he was living in the tombs outside the town. Now, this guy would have been freaking everybody out. I don't know about you. I've seen some weird stuff, but I've never seen someone come to church naked. I mean, if you're truly, really messed up, come to church. He will throw a blanket on you or something. But that's the ultimate result of Satan's, Satan's influence over a person. So Satan has done that to people throughout his career. He's, he's, he's got people to such a point. And I think this guy's an example of the depths that, that a human being could end up in when Satan has his way in their lives, when that's uncontrolled. So that's the ultimate result. But Satan has done that to so many people throughout his career. But I hear a sound in the neighborhood and it's a sound of people worshiping God. It's a sound um, of people worshiping God. Jesus is getting out of the boat into One Heart Church. I want to encourage you 
to be excited. I want to encourage you to start getting ready to be expecting, to be waiting, to be in the crowd that is welcoming a, a, a manifestation of God in the city of Port Lincoln. So as he's getting out of the boat, we're going to see people coming into the church because they heard something and Jesus will be doing something in their lives. It doesn't matter how, how crazy they are. It doesn't matter how messed up they are. It doesn't matter how good they may be. On the outside, God still wants to do something better in their life. And that's what we're here to do. So Luke chapter uh, 8 verse 27, I want to give you some conditions. And then we're going to look at some conditions that are the result of Jesus in our life. Um, the conditions of this man's life, they should be on the screen there. It says, for a long time. It says this man had, uh, had been uh, tormented by demons for a long time. He, the man was bound by demons. And they would make him, when, when he's, or anybody who's, who's got a condition for a long time, something that, that is part of their life for a long time, often believe that things could never change. He could never be free. So I think that he was thinking, well, when we think a long time, maybe 20 years, maybe more, but it's been there for, for a long time. Everyone has known him for, from growing up. There's that crazy man. And there are things that can get, get on us that bind to us that can be there for a long time to make us believe that this can never change. Make us believe that things will, will always be like this for me. I don't see a way forward, but I want to tell you something. One connection with Jesus and everything can change dramatically. The, the second thing it says, he was homeless. And I want to tell you something, church. If there's a pandemic in the church these days, it's homelessness among Christians. What's all that? It's, it's people who don't know where they belong. Now, homelessness isn't about nowhere to live. It represents a disconnection from the family, from community, from the house of God. That's what the homelessness uh, uh, pandemic is in the church today, where there are so many people who say, well, oh, you know, I had a, a person come to see me this week, and, and he's worried about the world, worried about all this stuff, and he says, well, I'm just one of these Christians, and I don't really belong to a church, and I just go wherever. It doesn't really go to any church. And I said, you know what? There is no such thing as a Christian who does what you do. I said, do you need a revelation of, of Jesus? And he just went. But he came back and saw me a second time. And you know something? We need to be straight with people when they're living a homeless life, when it comes to their Christianity, that they need to be plugged in. They need to find a home. They need to be covered by the house blessing and see the kingdom of God being outworked in their life. So I'm going into deep things today. So sorry, Jody, this is not how we normally preach. It's usually really, really shallow. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Then we all got saved by his blood. So that's not deep. But Satan's, Satan's masterful plan is to keep people disconnected and homeless. No commitment, no responsibility, no accountability to a house where they belong. That's what, that's what Satan wants to do. So here is this guy. He's had this for a long time. He's homeless. Next thing, we see he's naked. Nothing at all to his name. This represents having lost everything. All hope, all, all plans, all, all desires for the future, and all your clothes. So everything. Nothing left, not even the shirt on his back. He's got no family, no friends, no suitcase, no jocks, no socks. 
It's the ultimate result of separation from God. Now, we may not live like that. Probably no one here will ever get to that stage, I hope. But like this, this man had a, a natural out, outworking of what was happening in his spiritual. And it's a representation of the, the spiritual man without Jesus. We're spiritually naked. We're spiritually got nothing going for us. And I want to tell you something. We are in the business of taking those people who have nothing and bringing them into the, the experience of Jesus. And then they have something of a supernatural encounter with Jesus that begins to wrap them in God's love, wrap them in God's goodness. Then the last thing, oh, sorry, it's not the last. He's living in the tombs. Living in the tombs. What's this all about? He's alive, but that's not where alive people live. He's alive, but living among the, the tombs of dead people. So the only place left to go when you get to that stage is, is with other dead people. And there's a lot of people who are living, but they're dead. Jesus described that kind of a life. But we're called to follow Jesus and let the dead bury their own dead. And we need to live alive with other people who are alive, who are on mission, who are planning to, to pursue after the call and the purpose and the, the greater things of life that come from Jesus. Then the last thing we see here about him, it's he's outside the town. It means he's separated, he's isolated. He's got no mates. Isolated from everyone and everything. Rejected and alone. Having no meaningful purpose or function. No place in society. So some churches can become like that. So entire churches can be like this guy. And they're living outside of mainstream, living outside of society. But we are to be, we are to be part of this town. We're to be part of the Air Peninsula. We need to be where people are. We need to be part of it, not outside it. We need to be salt and light to the city of Port Lincoln, to the Air Peninsula, to wherever else we can reach. We need to be there. And I want to tell you something. We saw all these conditions of this man's life. But right now, I want you to imagine Jesus entering the, the, the situation for an awakened moment. Jesus entering the, the situation for an awakened moment in his life. Now, we just saw what the, devil's, what the devil can do. Now let's see what Jesus does. So I want to focus more on that. Jesus confronts the real issues which were spiritual. They call it demons, and I believe there are demons and spiritual forces that we need to tackle, that we need to confront, that we need to uh, reveal. And Jesus never wants to do that to embarrass us, but he wants to do it to release us, to empower us. So Jesus confronts a real issue, which is a demon. So Jesus wasn't looking at where he lived, that he had no clothes, that he was outside of town. See, that's what we look at. They're the symptoms, but not the problem. You know that? We often look at the symptoms in someone's life and think, wow, they're a prickly person. Wow, they're hard to get along with. Gee, they're hard to understand. Or they're, they're just awkward to be around. Or they're just plain nasty. We see the symptoms, but Jesus comes and sees, sees the problem. And it's spiritual. It's a demon. So God, if we want to have a prayer give us discernment of the spirit and power over every demon over every oppression of evil that ever comes against us first corinthians 12 10 talks about discerning of spirits and i believe it's a gift that god wants us to have 
And we need to see sometimes when we're talking with people, when we're interacting with the world, that there's something else going on here that isn't just psychological, but it's a spiritual thing. And we need to have power and authority that comes from God, that comes through the Holy Spirit living in us, that can say, can, can I just pray for this or that? Can we just confront some things right here? And I'll tell you, it's got to start in the church. That's where it's got to begin, where we can say, hey, you know what? Some of those attitudes you're carrying, they're not from you. They're from the devil. Oh, could we be so bold to ever do that? See, when we stand against demons, all hell breaks loose. But that's a good thing. So if you read the story, if you go go back and read it, uh, a few pigs got drowned, but that's all that they can do. That's all those demons could do. Sometimes people don't want Jesus because they love their pigs. Let's not love the bacon more than the presence. It says it's one of the tragic parts of that story is that, is that the, some of the crowd that welcomed Jesus, when they saw all their pigs drown, they said, go away, leave us alone. They'd rather, they'd rather would have had the pigs. But, but the pigs in this story represent sin, compromise, uh, things that we don't need in our life. I don't know if you've ever noticed when, when, when often when people turn to God, Things to seem, things seemed, bleh, things seem to go against them. It's like they lose their job, they get kicked out of their house, uh, they crash the car, and it's just like, what's that going on? They, they've just made this greatest decision in their life to change, to turn to the Lord, to to get out of where they've been, uh, away from God, and then all hell breaks loose around them. You know what that is? Bear, bear in mind, that's just like the pigs drowning. God just saying, it's okay, let the pigs go. We've got a better plan. You don't need that stuff anymore. You don't need that job. You don't need that. You don't need to live in that house with those people. Don't worry about those things because God's got a bigger and a better plan. So they're, they're just the pigs getting drowned. I, I have a, a weird imagination. I wasn't going to say this, but I can't, can't wait. I just imagine the demons saying to Jesus, well, they, you know, because they're begging, don't cast us out, don't cast us out. And then they said, oh, there's a herd of pigs. Send us into the pigs. And so... Two, two kind of theories I have. It's not Word of God, it's just theories. One is that the, the, the demons got in the pigs and, and the controls are different in pigs than they are in people. And so they, when they get in the person, they go, oh, there's the controls. We get the triggers, we, we get, we get their, their, their jealousy and we find their, the hatred and we find the disappointment triggers and we can control this human body. It's like, yeah, we find all the trigger points and the buttons to push so we can control them. But then when they got in the pigs, they're like, the, the controls are all different. They're like, oh, and they go, we're going to crash, we're going to crash. And they all end, end up crashed and drowned in the, in the lake. The, the, other, the other one, can I just share this a bit? It's, a bit it's, not, it's not gospel here. Just me having a bit of an imagination. The other one is the, the demons got in, got in the pigs, and the pigs were smarter than people. And they said, there's no way I'm going to have this demon living in me. I'd rather drown than have this thing in me. I'd rather go to heaven straight away and deal with this thing out of my body, even if I have to, even if I have to die to do it. So they all went and drowned themselves. Either way, I'm not sure which way is right. But I want to tell you something. Those pigs represent sin and compromise the things that we shouldn't have in our life. And, and they've got to go anyway. So as we know, in the Jewish in the Jewish world, pigs represented filth. They weren't to be touched. They weren't to be eaten. They weren't to be near you. 
And here they are. What are they doing there in the first place? They shouldn't have been there. And sometimes we're living with, with a whole barnyard full of pigs that we don't need around us or in us or with us. Could I just have the musicians come back and join me, please? Ephesians 5.11 Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. See, the real issue for us as a church in our lives personally is concealing evil rather than exposing it. Now, I'm not talking about just, just little, little things here. The real issue is concealing evil rather than exposing it. So when we conceal what should be exposed, we have a backyard full of concealed dead stuff, just like a graveyard. We have all this stuff that's buried, all this stuff that's concealed, but you wouldn't want to walk on it. You wouldn't want to sleep there. But we have it all around us because we've concealed what we should have just left behind and, and, and exposed and dealt with. It's like living in a graveyard. So this man's awakened moment came when Jesus exposed the real problem, which was demonic oppression. And he cast them out. I want to tell you something, church. When it comes to nights like this, when it comes to Sunday church, who comes praying saying, God, I need my spiritual armor on? I can tell you probably most of us don't. Most people turn up to church and say, and this is why we, we focus on all the wrong things when we come into church. Are we saying, God, there's people, there's demonic things that want to get on me. There's people who come into church who are so bound that need a breakthrough, that need a release, and we're not ready. We're not, we haven't got the, it's not put the boxing gloves on, it's taken the things off so you, so you hit harder and, and really hurt. I want to tell you something. We need to be aware and awake and ready spiritually. So before you come to church on a Sunday, if you, you want to really see breakthroughs in your life, in your family, in your friends, in the community, then you get on your knees. If you have to get up an hour early on Sunday morning and say, God, we're going to come together and worship. God, I want it to be powerful in my life. I want to see the things break out. And so often the church is saying, well, if we had a different pastor, if we had a better worship leader, if we had you know, a, a, a different atmosphere in our building, uh, all these kind of things, then we'll see the power of God move. The power of God moves through people who are waiting for Jesus, expecting something from Him. How do you show Jesus that you're expecting? You start talking to Him in the morning. You start saying, Jesus, I want you to do something in me. God, may I be prepared today because there's going to be someone in church I need to encourage. There's going to be someone who's battling with something, depression, fear, um, uh, anxiety, whatever it might be. And God is going to use you to lay hands on them, to pray with them in a nice way, in a good way, but a spiritually powerful way. Awakened moments look like that. So you see, it goes on. His, this man's awakened moment came. Luke 8 verse 35, it says that, People rushed out to see what had happened. So the pigs ran down, the, they ran down, whatever whatever reason it was, I think it was the controls. They got in there, oh, and the old pigs ran and drowned themselves. But people rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man. I want to tell you something, church, get ready to see the man who was once crazy, who was once broken, who was once hurting, who was once away from God. They saw the man who had been freed from the demons, he was sitting at Jesus' feet. Get this, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. 
just put the, 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 the next scripture up there um, from Psalm. See, awaken conditions. Stand your feet with, with you, with me, will you please? Awaken conditions. We should expect to expect to live in these things from Jesus. So, number one, I'll just read out Psalm 46. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. And the Lord loves the godly. So here's the, we saw the conditions of what the devil does. Here's the conditions of what Jesus does. Justice to the oppressed. Food to the hungry. Frees the prisoners. Opens the eyes of the blind. Lifts up those who are weighed down. And the Lord loves the godly. So here among the godly today, we're going to lift up a shout of praise. We're going to worship Him. And we're going to begin to pray for one another. If you have any need tonight, you're having faith stirred in your life, then I'm going to invite you to come on down the front and invite others to come. And if you feel that you can encourage someone, come and encourage them. Pray for them. Believe God. And maybe if you're thinking, hey, I don't want to come all the way down the front, then I'll tell you what you can do. is just raise your hand up nice and high and people will gather around you and people will pray with you and people will pray the prayer of faith and we're going to see God do something good for you today here in this place.